Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. my chickens I am and also Corinne's chickens <laughs> I'm super the no BS women <laughs> you're no hello chickens and no BS women maybe Corinne will need to do her own intro but I am super excited as you know I've been doing a couple of conversations with my favorite life coaches friends and colleagues and I'm super excited to talk with Corinne Crabtree today Corinne and I like to call ourselves Harvard and Redneck. Those are our like our little monikers for not really for just for ourselves as a duo. We taught a year long program together and that's how we referred to ourselves. And I should say Corinne was the one who referred to herself as a redneck. I did not. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> I proudly, <laughs> I proudly accept that I'm very Southern <laughs> and I will never be able to get it out of my system. <laughs> yeah. So Corinne and I are just extremely different people, which is why I love our friendship so much. And she is a weight loss coach and I'm an anti-weight loss coach and we still love each other. And I have learned so much from her. So I am super excited to talk to her today. I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself and say who she is and what she does since a lot of my people are probably not familiar with your work. So like Cara said, I'm Corinne Crabtree and I do coach weight loss, but I coach a no BS approach. It's a very much, I want to help you lose mental weight. And then we let the physical weight come off as it's needed. There's a very big disservice being done in the world. I think right now in the diet industry by pumping a lot of rules, a lot of restrictions, a lot of how we should look, how we should eat. And I am just not for all that. And so I wanted to be Someone who just, I lost a hundred pounds. And when I did it, I didn't do it with all kinds of antics and tricks and stuff. I literally just decided each and every day, I want to make a small change to my life so that I can feel a little bit better. I was um, not feeling good physically. I wasn't feeling good mentally. Um, I battled depression most of my life and I was at a low place and it wasn't really about my body or anything like that. I just knew that if I kept sitting on my couch every day, crying and eating, that um, I wasn't going to be around much longer because I had already had one bout of suicide when I was 17. I had attempted to take my life and I just knew that I was going down a bad path and that I really needed to figure out my stuff. Can you cuss on your podcast? Uh, It's called Unfuck Your Brain. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, shit. (laughs) I know it's... Does Kara curse? Will she be offended if I I use a curse curse like in real life? But and I was listening to your podcast this morning of all things. So anyway, yes, as much cursing as you want, just all curse words. Like I knew that if I didn't like take care of my shit, that I was just it was going to go downhill. And so I just made small changes to my life. Like I didn't give up foods and think I had to take things away from myself. So my approach is super simple. It's about like if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. If I'm not hungry. I'm going to not eat. If I am eating, I'm going to stop before I'm stuffed. Like I just keep it real basic. All foods Mm -hmm. are fine. I just don't eat foods that give me diarrhea, that cramp me up (laughs) or burn my mouth. Like I used, I remember just eating shit and always feeling terrible in my colon. That burns my mouth. I don't eat food that burns my mouth. (laughs) 
literally, I would eat stuff for the sake of eating it just because of yeah. what it tastes so good. And I would be in physical pain. Right. <laughs> I just cut out bullshit eating and that's how I lost weight. <laughs> so anyway. My so I feel like you've, you've covered actually like two of the three things that I had on my list for what I've learned from you <laughs> just in that intro. But I will go first and I will say that I think the most important thing that I have learned from you is that it really is not about the weight. Right. Right. That that is not, I mean, I think, you know, when I went through and Corinne and I also did our master coach training together. So we did our master coach training. And so we've, we've seen each other like Corinne a is a lot. Yeah. It's Corinne a lot. is a juggernaut now. She's a $12 million business. And four years ago, was it five years ago? We were master coach training together 2016 and she was crying because our teacher, our mentor was telling her that she had to raise her price from, I shit you not, $7, which is what it used to be. It was, it was $7 a month and she was making what, like $500 a year or something? I was making, no, I was making $30,000 a year, oh. but it was costing me $30,000 right. a year. She was breaking even because she was charging $7, uh, literally $7. So good. Anyway. So we've, we've seen each other's journeys. And I think yes. as a sort of an anti-diet coach going through, obviously, life coach training at the life coach school, which is very weight loss coaching heavy. The only reason that I was able to do that and, and the reason that I you know can count weight loss coaches like among my close friends, even though we have strong disagreements about some stuff, is that it's so clear to me from the way that you coach and teach that like the weight is really not the point. Right. right. It's like, yes, that's what brings people in. It's just the same way that people come into the clutch thinking like, okay, I'm going to be productive so I can feel good about myself. Right. It's right. like coming in, trying to fix yourself for something. And then it's like the bait and switch is that we teach you that there wasn't anything wrong with you in the first place and right. you don't have to fix yourself. Yes. Right. But that it's like really not about, it's not about the weight and it's not about, I think one of the things that you don't do, which I really love is that you don't sell this vision of like, everybody can look like me or should look like me, right? Right. There's like one way that everybody should look. Right. And like, I love that also in your marketing, I feel like in a lot of weight loss marketing, it's like people will only feature, let's say success stories, quote unquote, where the person is little, is a fitness model now, right? It like all looks right. a certain way. Right. And like, if you look at current social media, a lot of her success stories are People are still, some of them are still technically, according to the BMI, probably overweight or obese, right? It's because it's not actually about like. Well, we try really hard to focus on, like with our success stories, it's not just about the weight loss. We always, right. like we pick a lot of our clients who experience success in other areas. Like the, it's like for some of our clients, it's like my relationships got better. Like I just mm -hmm. stopped a lot of my self-loathing around my body. I haven't lost the weight, but I've dropped my mental weight. And now mm -hmm. I actually like myself and realize I didn't have to lose weight to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, I just needed to really learn that tool. But yeah, we do try to, especially, I think one of the success story, I guess, groups that I love featuring the most is my 55 plus women, mm -hmm. because I think they've grown up in some of the harshest diet culture times. I mean, I know we've got social media, yeah. but they didn't even have options back in the day. Right. I mean, it was just all about Weight Watchers and shape tip magazines and right. just, Oh, it's just terrible. And they come on and they're getting off meds and they're playing with their grandkids and they're for the first time in their life wearing shorts or going hiking. But I just love that. They also still have normal person bodies as part of what I'm saying. Right. Oh, yeah. That's like that. You're like, 
show it's like some of your afters would be like a before in some side kind of other weight loss right. marketing, right? Because right. it's just like a normal person's body that is maybe smaller than it once was, but is not like a airbrushed magazine, whatever, right? It's like, and I think that to me is such a like, you know, you are so authentic and real and your marketing and your coaching, all of it. It's never like everybody should look a certain way or everybody should be the same size and you can be this way and then your life will be perfect, right? You're always like, it doesn't fucking matter what you do. If you don't right. like yourself, <laughs> we're going right. to work on that. And then we'll see what happens with the rest of it. Well, and I think that's the problem in the whole diet industry is that they focus so much on the goal weight and the goal look. They don't even like, I tell my people all the time, if you don't fucking like who you are at the end of it, it won't matter. And why right. go through the trouble of doing all of it? If you're not going to like who you are. And I always tell them, decide who you want to be. And then let's work towards getting there. And let's check on, who you want to be and why you want to be her. Like we do, that's the majority of our work. And I think that's why our success stories typically end up not regaining their weight. They have no reason to, because most people regain weight because they realize when they get there, I didn't change my attitude about myself. I didn't change right. my outlook on life. I, you know, if you're an Eeyore all the way down the scale, you're not going to weigh 150 pounds and suddenly be a ray of sunshine. Right. Right. So, Right. I talk about this all the time in coaching, right? Even though it's from a slightly different direction of like hating yourself during the process, right? You, it's like you think as soon as that last circumstance finally changes, the number on the scale changes, or I get the ring on my finger, or I make the million dollars, and you think like, then I'm going to be happy. Everything's right. going to change. Even though your brain, it's, it's like we think it's magic. Like I'm going to wake up on that day and I'll have a totally different brain than I've ever had before. Let just, I feel like actually so many of the conversations I've been having with the other, with the coaches that I've talked to in this little series of, it's all been that, right? It's been like, whether it's making all the money or getting married or losing the weight or whatever it is, the destination is always going to feel like the journey and weight loss. I think the diet industry sells us the exact opposite, right? Which is like, hate yourself, criticize yourself, punish yourself, restrict yourself, and then magically one day you'll feel right. amazing, right? Like Even the though, box opens and the rainbow shoots out for you. It's right. Like, and like, that's not how brains work. And we know that, but it's so seductive. We're, we're sort of sold that over and over. I think that's why it's so hard for people to really grasp the concept of what do you mean that if I hit my goal weight, I won't be happy because they can only picture themselves running around thrilled with themselves. And so I always <laughs> tell them, it's like, you know, if today you're worried about your food because it, you won't lose weight, then the moment you lose weight, here's what happens. You will be happy because you'll have some thoughts about your weight that make you happy. But about four or five days later, that number not changing gets real old real quick. And then if you're a worry wart, then guess what? You start now weighing in and you're like, well, I need to worry. Is it going to go up? Am I going to be able to keep eating this way? Worry is a habit. Every thought pattern is a habit. And if you don't learn how to correct them on the way down and start thinking in a way of who you want to be, I promise every single one of you, no number on the scale is going to remove all of that. Right. It might for a moment. That's what, yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's like very temporary, right? People are always like, yes. but that time I did have the blah, blah, blah. I felt amazing. I'm like, yeah, but what happened two weeks later? Like, right. yeah, you got like a temporary high because your thoughts change because your thoughts, here's your thought. Oh my God, now I'm going to be happy forever. And then you're happy for that moment while you're well, thinking like, that. The best example I give people is like, all right, so being 150 is supposed to change your life and make it all right. 
if right now you show up at work every day and you think your boss is a dick and doesn't like you and gives you extra work, when you weigh 150 pounds, I promise you that when he gives you extra work, you're going to be like, but you know what? It's okay today because I weigh (laughs) No, you're still going to be pissed. You're still going to think he hates you. You're still going to think it's unfair. You're still going to have that whole life sitting there. And 150 doesn't fix that shit. Well, and so many women who are trying to lose weight also have in their younger days been the weight that they now want to weigh. Yes. And they weren't happy then. No. Right. <laughs> it's like my you know, mom <laughs> weighed 117 and hated her thighs. And then right. she had a all her life. And she was telling me the other day, she's like, I want to go back and bitch slap the 17 year old version of me. <laughs> <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. It's so true. Well, here's what I have. I really thought about this when we were talking about, you know, what we've learned from each other. And, and I may cry, Cara. I just tell you, you know, I'm the mo- emotional one, but it's a crying. you know, I've always just like admired how smart you are and that you went to Harvard. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned from you is over the course of the years, anytime you've ever asked me for advice at first, like I couldn't even handle it because I've always mm. thought of myself as uneducated and stupid and just, I'm a hard worker. So I compensate for being uneducated and stupid. I didn't go to college. I didn't do all those things. And I think what I learned from you is I started noticing how hard it was for me to even think that someone who was, I thought was super smart to want to talk to me. It really taught me to look within Mm. and understand the story I had about myself and to really rewrite what I'm going to think about myself in terms of my intelligence and what is my unique contribution to the world. So I didn't mean to get too emotional, but no, that's okay. <laughs> Don't, your emotion is on my list for my third one anyway. <laughs> get there. I'm just banging your list out for you. <laughs> but I think that's one of the big ones for me was just being just in your aura for the last few years. And it's really helped me think about the person I am and appreciate the person I am, mm-hmm. especially because one of my second thing was you're the first person that I've ever really been around that I really thought loved herself. And I, and this is why I'm going to cry now. (laughs) No, I'm serious. And this is why, because I have watched you get coached over and over and over again and saw you fight for the version of you, you want to be when I watch so many other people fight for the version that they've been. Hmm. And uh, like, I just, like I, it's one of those things that I have felt like I want to be like Kara. I want to be the person who's arguing for the person I want to be and truly trying to unwind it and truly trying to understand it. And, and you can just tell when you're in your presence that, I mean, I'm sure you have your shit like the rest of us. Of course, yeah. I can tell fundamentally at the end of the day, you love Kara. Yeah. And not many of us can really say that. And, and I that's just, all due to coaching, right? Like that was not the way I was before. That's so I'm like, I'm having, I'm having my own feelings over here. Um, <laughs> it's too bad. We can't be together. And I know we just need to like snuggle and cry post pandemic. That's, I mean, okay, let me think about this. The first one first. So I think it's, you know, it's so interesting. It's like, we always, I'm just thinking about how this relates to our previous conversation, which is like, we always think what everything like we didn't have or experience makes the difference. Whereas the person who has or experienced that thing is like, dude, let me tell you, I have this thing and it really doesn't make it right. <laughs> like 
doesn't really, right? It's like the people who are single think that like just getting married, even though all around them are all the people who are married being like, let me tell you, it does not right. magically now make I wake happy. Up I can't be single. <laughs> right, right. And like then, right? So it's, it, that's, it's like a similar thing. Like to me, it never even occurred to me to think about like the fact that you didn't go to college or whatever, because having gone to Yale and Harvard, I was like, there's plenty of stupid people wherever you go. <laughs> there's plenty of smart people wherever you go, right? Like, but it's like that vice versa. Like, I think, you know, if you're someone who's always been bigger and you're taught to think like, well, the thin people will, are always happy, even though you look around, you know, plenty of thin people who aren't always happy, right? So it's like that human tendency to always think like, it's like we were, I was talking, was it Stacy? Yeah, we were, when on my podcast interview with Stacy, I was talking about how like having grown up around people who had money, I was never under the impression that money was going <laughs> to like solve all the problems or make people happy or, right? It's right, like right. having been in that world, I was like, yeah, no, some of them are still totally miserable. It doesn't even occur to me. But because of my own upbringing or my own whatever, like I have different things that I've, my brain identifies as being like, well, if you just had that, if you just did that. So I've been coaching a lot lately and I've been highlighting when we have a lot of people who lose weight. And I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, that's what I try to teach. (laughs) So I get a lot of people who lose their weight and they come on the coaching call and they're crying and they're like, they're having a hard time accepting it. Like there's all these, you know, the next level issues start coming up. And I always stop them and say, I want to ask you a question. Eight months ago, when you joined the version of you who only wanted to be here and knew that this was going to be so awesome, can you even imagine that you would have lost your weight and then be miserable or be like, you know, because this is my clients that my process works, but they, they don't necessarily always want to buy into that deep thought work stuff. Right. Right. They're like, I'm just going to take the part where I like learn how yeah. to stop emotionally eating, but I'm not really going to dig in under that. Yes. And so they're always like, you're right. And I, I use them as an example to everyone in my membership and just say, I want you to see this. If this isn't an example of what you think is going to happen, make sure that you are working on that relationship with yourself. Anybody can lose weight, but not everybody can lose their weight and love themselves at the end. I think it's so interesting because actually, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, the way that I coach on the other side of it is like, you have to give up, like there's a grieving process when you realize that you, you know, and it's like, and it's funny because right, we have a probably like, we would disagree about like how many people can necessarily lose weight and keep it off. But it's like, we're teaching the same thing in this way where I, it's like, no matter whether you end up, whether you're someone who can lose the weight and keep it off, or you're someone for whom long-term permanent weight loss isn't an option, it doesn't matter because both ways you have to grieve the fantasy that yes. being thin will solve all your problems. Yes. Right. I, I like it's, it's the same just like gave me shivers. It's like, like, you know, right. It's like you, ha- I teach so much about agree- giving up that fantasy and grieving it when you stop dieting. But the truth is, even if you successfully diet, you still have to grieve that fantasy because you get to the end and it still isn't true. Right. It's a fantasy, whether, you act on it or not, which is so interesting. It's like the same coaching work. There's no way, there's no way out of it, which I also think is so important because I don't know if you get this, but I get a lot of my students 
of course, this is just the human brain, right? And they're like, like, we don't want to be our own authorities, right? We want someone else to be the authority. And so even though I'm like, change your circumstance if you want, I don't care. Just you're still going to have to coach yourself, right? What they hear is like, I'm never allowed to change my circumstance, right? right. And so then when I'm coaching on that, I'm always like, knock yourself out, like get divorced, quit the job, try to lose weight, whatever. All I'm telling you is you're going to have the same work to do, whether you change that circumstance or not. Right. Right. No, it's the same thing. It's yeah, we have the same thing on our side. I, I think for my people, it's always getting them to understand. Let's identify the problems right now in your life that are going to be there, whether or not you lose weight or not, because those problems, how you think about them right now, if we start working on all of that, you're less likely to want to just escape hatch your life with food. And that's really what I'm trying to teach my people is how do we start looking at our life in a new way? And how do we, and not just in a happy way, but like it, a lot of it is taking authority. I think for my clients, and I don't know if you see this on your side, but my clients, I think their most common theme is they feel like there's so much not in their control in life. Mm -hmm. And so when their life feels out of control or they think so many things are out of control, they eat to not feel so victimized and to feel so weak and to feel so like I I can't fix things. Mm -hmm. And so we work on that a lot. And I I just think that I know my thing is all about the weight loss, but it's, I really want to change women's lives at the end of the day. I want them to see there's more to their life than just their weight. I want them to see their life in a new lens. I want them to go after goals that they never thought possible. You know, for some people, learning how to go after something you're afraid of and using courage and using perseverance and using determination and overcoming self-doubt. For a lot of my girls, weight loss will teach them them skills, but I'm just trying to teach them those skills to believe in themselves and to think something bigger for themselves. Whether they lose the weight or not, it's up to them. But a lot of the things that I teach them to do, it's just like, hey, tonight, let's just try not to eat the ice cream and sit with ourselves so we can figure out I will tell you something that happens that I love that I teach them. If you're not going to eat tonight and you are just going to give yourself the actual break that you deserve. Wait, we should just pause and say, Corinne does not teach like, don't never eat dinner. It's not like you're not going to eat. It's oh, like, no, 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 no. When you're I'm not going about, to do your additional yeah. emotional. About, we've already had dinner <laughs> right. and we're like gearing up Lucifer on Netflix. Right, and right, right. it's like, Werther's <laughs> candies are calling my name or, right, you know. Right, right my gallon of ice cream, which is what I used to do all the time. So here's what I'm saying. I'm not going to have that. But the reason why I'm eating is because at the end of the day, I'm so emotionally worn out from the world because I do think there's things I can't control. And there's all these things happening. And I have, you know, like my self-worth's in the toilet. I I think I'm a terrible mother all day long. If when you take that break and what you're really needing is like rest, rejuvenation and relaxation. But when you have it, the only thing that goes on in that moment is your to-do list, what you didn't do for the day, what you should be doing, the dishes you left behind, the ways you failed. Like if that thinking's there, then that's why we take that food away so that we can start working on your self-concept, working on you knowing that no matter what, if you want to take a break, you get to have it. We have to change those relationships. Otherwise, you eating denies you the ability to ever think differently for yourself, to ever take pride in the way you showed up all day long. 
Like, how can you ever take pride if the only thing you do is every night start a beat down on yourself and then go get ice cream? Right. You've lost the opportunity. So right. that anyway, not to get off on a tangent, but, but no, yeah. I, I thank love you though for pointing out that I'm not saying like no dinner for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, since why we have very different populations, why people may not. I mean, I have some of your people in my program, I'm sure vice versa. But yeah, I just want to be clear. We weren't like, a, this is not a like three day intermittent fasting. That's what I teach. No, I don't um, even teach that stuff. <laughs> So here's the other second thing that I had on my list, which kind of relates to this, which is that I lo- like I have such a tendency to overcomplicate and over intellectualize. And like, I'm like, okay, here's like 37 different ways that this plays out. And like, that's, you know, there's positive sides to that. Like, I see how things connect. And I think that really informs my body of work that I created. But you are such a genius at just keeping it simple. Like, I'm like, here's a 47 paragraph thing. And Corinne's like, don't put the food in your mouth if you're not going to enjoy it and you're not hungry. The end. It's just like, <laughs> and see of course, next that's, week. <laughs> see you next week. You're done. And of course, it's not the end because you have to coach people on why that's difficult, right? Of course, like, why do we emotionally eat? Or, and we've, we're talking about eating because you're a weight loss coach, but everything we're talking about applies to drinking, smoking, getting high, watching Netflix, shopping, like, you know, and all of that stuff. Like, I've watched, I know you have in your own life too. Like, okay, I don't emotionally eat anymore. Like, do I need another piece of antique jewelry? Why am I scrolling Instagram, right? Like there's always something else you can replace it with. The work is ongoing, but you are just like, I like every time I post some complicated thing, Corinne's in our like Slack, Corinne is always like, or you could just do this very simple version that would take 10 minutes. (laughs) Or like, I'm like, should I tell them blah, 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 blah. And Corinne's like, or you could just be like, do this. Like, it's so, you're so good at keeping it simple in a very like hilariously only Corinne would say it that way. What is your famous thing? Don't eat like an asshole. Just like such such a like, it's just such a gift. Right. And it's so ironic that, you know, you had this whole thing about like not going to college and not being whatever, but I think like your natural intelligence is so simple and direct. And sometimes all that getting an Ivy league education does is teach you to write 12 paragraphs when you really only need one sentence. Well, I will tell you what I appreciate about you, though, is when I'm going to give you advice, because this is I get a lot of questions from people all the time (laughs) from you. You're always asking me questions. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the thing. It's like I'm always so happy to help you because I know you've thought it through. Like, I never doubt that. Like, I think that's difficult to teach in especially in business is people do want that mentor and they do want a guide and they do want someone to tell them what to do. I was in a mastermind just right before this with a group of people who are about my level all the way down to, I'm trying to get my shit together. And, you know, I paid my way in and the people trying to get their shit together. were asking questions where it's basically like, Hey, you tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And you are always asking for advice at the end of the day, though, you're always willing to make your own decision and blend advice but you always think it through. And that's a skill that's not easy to teach people. Mm. People always think it's easier to be told what to do. It's easier, but it's not scalable. It's not sustainable. You know, what's better? Somebody telling me what to do and being successful or me learning what to do. And then I can be successful as many times as I want on my own. Yeah, that's true in coaching too, right? It's like everybody, of course, just wants like, just tell me what to eat, right? Or just tell me what to do or like, just tell me how to negotiate for the raise or just tell me how I should respond to the text message or whatever it is. Right. And I'm sure it's frustrating for our clients sometimes, but like the reason we don't tell you that is that you can't, that's not growth and you can't replicate it. Right. It's right. just like, it's just telling you what your A-line should be, but then you don't know how to like create that yourself. 
That's why I don't give my clients meal plans. It, it dry, they finally are used to not getting them, but <laughs> drove them crazy for a long time. And I was just like, yeah, but if I'm telling you what to eat, then you're not listening to your life. You're not listening to your emotions, your wants, your desires and stuff. You're listening to my best advice. Right. But my best advice, probably not going to work in your life. Right. One of the things I want my people to do is I tell them all the time, I don't want you to pay me forever. Right. Like I want you to be a success, not because you lost weight, but because you can go out into the world for the rest of your life and never have to fucking worry about food again. Right. That it's just easy for you. So. Yeah. I think you are all, I mean, having watched your business scale in such a crazy way, like I have so much admiration for your kind of work ethic. Like every time I talk to Corinne, she's like, okay, well, I just read these three new marketing books and I blah, 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 blah. I'm like in these three programs and also running my business. And I'm like, I wrote almost a whole podcast today and was very proud of myself. (laughs) You are just like really good at simple constraint and like, and such a hard worker and like that, I think, you know, it's so interesting. So many people who have this, like you were saying that you had this belief about yourself. That's like, oh, I'm not like smart. I'm just a hard worker. You know, the truth is like one of my best friends went to Yale with me and uh, she has the same belief, right? That's like also such a gender-based thing. I think like men are socialized to think that like my brilliance is here, right? Like here's my brilliance that I barely even researched at all. And women are taught to think like, well, no, I have to like work super hard and like get ahead that way because like I'm not smart enough. So it's such a like common belief. And I do think there's so much gender socialization behind it. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you the third thing. Uh, yes, about do it. I'll tell you. It my... is your hugging and touching. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the fact that I don't hug and touch so much? No, that you do. Like, do you, I feel what? like you're the selfie hugging queen with your client. Oh, I'm like, like... I am, but if you ask my if you ask my no BS women, they will tell you I don't like it. Uh-huh. I do it for them. Like, but I always tell them, like, I skis out on the inside with it, and just like, oh, but I do it because. I really like it. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, let's do all the things. But with you, I remember when we were, you didn't hug and touch me as much during mastermind training, but during 100K. When we I had, didn't know you as much yet. but Yeah. Well, when we had to spend intimate time together for a year, like you would come in, you would just start petting me and stuff. And I, I, like, I don't even remember this. Oh my, oh my God, gosh. So I silly Marriott. We actually had a conversation toward like, the end of the week. I think you would come up and pet me so much. But then you told me you were going to miss petting me. I am dying. I don't remember this at all. It's totally unconscious. I'm just like, I love you. Let me pet you. Well, I what it did though is what it did teach me was like, I literally quit bitching to my members about not liking all of that because it really made me appreciate. <laughs> you were like, like, they don't touch me as much as Kara. So at least oh, yeah, there's, the, oh, there's always that part, but it was more of just what it really showed me is that for some people like that, like being able to be close to someone and stuff is comforting or important, or it's a real signal that they, that they do like you and stuff. Yeah. And, Rather than me being so caught up in just how I felt about it, it made it easier for me to hug the people and do the things because I started thinking about what their experience was probably more like. But yeah, you're. I you, love that I like I like cuddle harassed you into accepting physical affection from your. Client. It was, but it was hilarious. I can't believe you can't even remember. No, this like doesn't even stick out to me. I don't think of us as being like cuddly friends specifically. I think because. <laughs> I think as I always think of myself, like my experience in the LCS community at large is that I go to those big events we have and that I want to wear a sweater that says, don't touch me. 
because like all these strangers are coming up to me, you know, they listen to the podcast. And so they're coming up to me and touching me like Amy Latta, the <laughs> maker listen to this episode who famously like hugs, like with her whole body, including her legs, like hugged me that way once. And I had to be like, you are like an octopus. <laughs> this is the only top part of the body hugging. So it, that's so funny because my thought about myself in LCS context is that I'm like, oh my God, strangers, stop touching me. Because apparently I just only want to touch you and Rachel. So I guess I'm just I like, know. And I was thinking away. about Rachel and how much she wants, like she got coached once on her, uh, I'm wanting to the cuddle. And- yeah. <laughs> oh my God. We get coached on the weirdest things, you know? We do, we do get coached <laughs> on the weirdest things. All right. So here's my third for you, which kind of relates to this hilariously. But I think like, I definitely still have to coach myself. I mean, of course, about various things in my business. But like one of the things that stands out to me about you is just like you already cried on this call, like how much you love your clients and your women and how much I feel like you like that is always my model and trying to, of course, I love mine too. But, you know, you're running a business. It's easy to get caught up in like. Why? Yeah. Like the bullshit or the, like the people who are complaining or the people who like don't read any of the emails and then say they can't figure out what's going on or whatever. It's like easy to get caught up in that customer service nonsense. But like, I think, you know, you operate from such deep and genuine love for your people. Like any, basically anytime Karen starts talking about her business, if you let her go for more than 10 minutes, she'll be crying by the end. Right. Just but like, but like out of love, like, cause you're just so sort of emotional about how much you love your women and how much, like how proud you are of them. I just, I feel like you operate from such a deep well of love. And as somebody who's more kind of analytical and operates more from like humor and analysis, I think it's such a powerful, like reminder to me to come back to being heart centered in my business and for my clients. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I do really genuinely love them. And I will say that if I could boil down my success to one thing, it's literally that purpose behind everything I do. I keep them like, (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) cry. And I swear to God, I know this sounds so cheesy, but I think about them all the time in good ways. Yeah. You know, when I'm making business decisions, I, I hammer it into my team all the time. I'm like, guys, what is she going to think? Is this going to help her? Is this something she can do? Like, what does she need? Like, it's always about that. And I think it's because I just, for my clients in particular, they are where I started. And I remember how I felt then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if I can just, for all of those women... It is not about getting their weight off. I remember your audience hasn't heard this story. My audience will be like one more time, really. (laughs) But when, when I had lost my weight and I hadn't lost all of it, but as I was losing it, I was changing my opinion about myself all the way down the scale. Like I remember one time weighing in for a few weeks and I had been really working hard. I was trying to crack 200. I was doing so many things that scared the shit out of me. Like I learned how to ride a bike. I'd never rode a bike since I was nine years old. And I just knew that I was going to be a cyclist. So I would go to the beginner classes by myself. Like I was just constantly relying on courage when I was always going to be the slowest, the newest, the heaviest, all the things. And I was so proud of myself for like being the version of me that was willing to 
chase my dream of being an athlete. My brother was athletic. I didn't play shit. I always <laughs> wanted to. I was always told I was too fat and too out of shape to do it. And PE teachers would put me on, you know, on the stands and wouldn't let me participate. And so it meant a lot to me to learn how to be an adult athlete mm -hmm. more so than the weight loss. And so anyway, I can't lose weight for a while because like, I'm so pursuing my dream. That <laughs> I stalled. Like my body's like, I don't know what all's going on, but we need to hang on to everything we can. Cause she's doing exponentially more shit than she's right. ever done. <laughs> well, I remember after, like a couple of weeks, I was fine. About three or four weeks. I remember one day weighing in and I was so upset. And I remember thinking, fuck this. I might as well be eating if the scale's not going to move. And I literally had a moment where I was like, no, that is how we used to think. You are doing too many good things for yourself now. You are taking better care of yourself than you ever have before. That is what we're excited about. And I remember redirecting myself. And this was even before the life coach school. And it was those moments that I want my clients to have. I want them to have moments where they know how to believe in themselves, they know how to talk to themselves, and they know how to redirect the moment an old shitty thought comes in that they don't deserve, that some asshole who did not understand jack shit about a woman's body or how to treat somebody planted in their brain when they were 12 years old. Right. So that is why I cry, because it's every woman deserves to feel good about herself and not enough people in this world are teaching us how to do it. Yeah. And I think that's where you and I are like a hundred percent on the same page, right? It's like hmm. with whatever the goal is, like, I don't care if you do. I, I mean, it's great for you, but do I really care if you run the marathon or get the promotion or whatever, whatever external thing it is or lose the weight? No, of course not. Right. What we both want is for women to learn that like they get to be in charge of what they think about themselves, right? Yeah. They get to decide how to think about themselves and how to be in the world and whatever body you're doing that in, whatever arena you're trying to conquer, right? Like not living by all of that programming that teaches women that they're not good enough, that they don't deserve, you know, pleasure and rest and nourishment yeah. of any kind that they are, you know, that they are flawed and unworthy and need to sublimate themselves to everything else in their lives just to be good enough to exist. Right. I no, that's, that's exactly it. And I think that's why you and I've always, I think we get along so well because we are so opposite. It's like we have the same idea of what we want for women and we come at it from such a different perspective. It's almost like I'm just obsessed with listening to you talk about it because it's so new to, <laughs> even though you're talking about what I think, right. you're talking about it in such a new way. I'm just like, and I tell people all the time, like, need to listen to Cars podcast and dole it out. Episodes. All right, I'm going to add one more thing I, that I think that I really, well, this is something I learned from you. This is just something I will say I really admire about you, which is that I think we are both the tough love coaches, though. That, that we have sure. in common. Yeah, we're, we're not going to sugarcoat shit. Yeah, when we did that program together, the 100K program, I think those students were like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> um, yeah, we're both like very low tolerance for bullshit. But like a lot of like, like, you know, compassionate, tough love. I will say like, we didn't even get into this, but I feel like the whole coaching industry and a lot of LCS coaches have gone through a sort of awakening in the last year, I would say mm -hmm. about social justice and racial justice and a lot of those issues. And I think one of the things that I really, this kind of relates to something I said about you earlier, but like, I really admired and respected how you moved through that because I felt like you were really, um, 
really willing to hear and listen and learn and really came to it from a place of humility and love with really almost no defensiveness about your own privilege or your own blind spots or the things you hadn't been aware of before. Like, I think you really have not just a servant's heart, but like a student's heart, which I think is like such a powerful way to go through life. And I think it is the secret to your success because you're always willing to learn and grow and with sort of very little, I think so many people, even coaches, even myself, even me, of course me, I have a human brain, but like even coaches can get kind of defensive, right? When somebody's like, no, you're not seeing this or like you're missing this or you don't understand this. And, you know, we can get kind of like, ah, (laughs) I feel like you are just always like, tell me more. Like, I want to know. Right. And I felt like your attitude towards that whole thing was like, okay, like maybe I've had blind spots. Maybe there's things that I didn't know. Like I want to do the best I can for my students. So like, what do I need to know where, how can I learn? Like, I just felt like you showed up through that process, which can be very uncomfortable, like an awakening of privilege in that way in such a beautiful way. Well, and you were so good to help me too, because I didn't know a lot and you were the first person I would text or message and just say like, Hey, I don't know this. Like, what is this? And you really led the way, especially in LCS, you were one of the big leaders and first people to kind of jump out there and start talking about, you know, we got to learn this stuff. We can't just sit back. And I appreciated that. And I watched you on your social. I mean, I'm always somebody that watches how people who are doing it the way that I might, that's the way like that right there. I watched you like a student and um, you really showed, especially for all of us in LCS, I think and a handful of people really shot out fast and led the way. And I think just being, being the people who did that for people like me who didn't know what to do, but were willing to, you know, to go there, it just, it made it easier for us. It made it a lot more, the human brain is always scared of what it doesn't know. And it was like this whole arena of shit that I didn't know jack shit about, but I just, I loved having somebody that I felt like, was supportive and willing to give. I mean, the amount of help and the amount of just teaching and everything that you have given all of us over the last year and in a thousand different ways, not even just that. I mean, it's, I think that's the other thing that a lot of people, I don't know if they know this about you, but as in your face as Cara is and stuff, (laughs) she's actually got a soft spot for helping people. I mean, you have always been such a giver in the, in the coaching community and a real expert, like opinion and an expert voice. It's definitely not unseen. I mean, it's, I mean, you should be very, let me tell you, you should be very proud of yourself, Miss Carr. (laughs) (laughs) Can I change my thoughts to do that? It's just like one big love fest. And now Corinne is safe. I can't stroke her across the screen, but let me tell you, when we are all vaccinated, there's going to be a lot of forced cut, a lot of cuddling. I will get consent first, but it's going to be aggressive. It's all right. I, I've promised everybody in the world now that we haven't been able to hug that I would never bitch about it one more right? time. I mean, the things <laughs> that you, I, what I wouldn't give to be in a room full of a thousand coaches being like, ah, stop touching me. Exactly. Exactly. It. Thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us as always. Well, thank you for having me. It was, it was so fun. So I loved it. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is my feminist coaching community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying all these concepts I teach to your own life and learning how to do thought work to blow your own mind. 
It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will change your life even more. It's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change everything. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. Or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861. If you text your email address to that number, we'll text you right back with a link to check out everything you need to know about the clutch. 347-934-8861. Or again, just go online to www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I cannot wait to see you there.